the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibodeau and Damian Colano. Hey, guys. Good happy Friday. Morning. Good happy morning. Friday. Happy Epiphany. It's yes. King's Day. Yes. We'll celebrate it this weekend at Mass. It's just the day where you can take all your Christmas that's stuff right. out. And so I told my husband, yes. tomorrow's the day. That's what I told him last night. Okay. He said, Alicia, we have a full weekend. And I was like, well, we at least have to take down the <laughs> stuff outside. <laughs> you know same. We at least have to same take here. the lights down <laughs> and the wreaths down and all that. So we'll see, especially before we get that rain later this weekend, we want to get that outside stuff picked up. So, right. um, But we're going to start this morning with the prayer. It's the collect prayer for the solemnity of the epiphany of our Lord. This will be uh, this weekend's mass. So let's start in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the splendor of your majesty, O Lord, we pray, shed its light upon our hearts, that we may pass through the shadows of this world and reach the brightness of our eternal home. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Franciscan media saint of the day today is Saint Andre Bassett. So, St. Andre Bassett, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a great show for you today, starting off in six minutes. Eric Miller joins us. He is the state advocate for the Louisiana State Council Knights of Columbus. He is going to be giving us their monthly update. In 18 minutes, Chris McGregor joins us. She wrote the foreword to the book Women Mystics, second edition. So, we're going to be joining she's going to be joining us to give us a little bit more details about that and alicia like you said christmas decorations go down this weekend but mardi gras decorations go right. up at my house this weekend our house too. i'm looking forward to putting those up yes the wreaths the the towels everything we are so excited <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh times of the year is mardi gras season that's exactly what we're going to be talking about with jeff young the catholic foodie he's talking king cake on king's day Yes, finally. I love king cake. So <laughs> this is a great <laughs> topic with Jeff. And in 48 minutes, Mark Brumley joins us. He's the president of Ignatius Press, and he's going to be talking about the late Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth and the life of his uh, of the late Pope, uh, accomplishments, anything. So looking forward to speaking with Mark today about that. And Damien, looking forward to a weather report from you as well. Well, it's going to be another beautiful day on tap and plenty of sunshine, clear blue skies. High is going to be 71, low 49. And winds out of the east-southeast at about 5 to 10 miles an hour, just 
Perfect. Uh, nice way to get the weekend started. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, high 78. Uh, but you better enjoy it because come Sunday, 90% chance of rain in the forecast. And the high is only going to be about 67. So it's going to kind of be wet and chilly. Temperatures in and around the area right now. New Orleans, 53 degrees. In Homa Thibodeau, it's 49. In Covington, uh, as well as Biloxi and Baton Rouge, all reporting 43-degree temperatures. So um, there you have it. And hopefully uh, I'm sounding a little better than I you did yesterday. You sound much better. Ah. Yeah. I have some Tic Tacs at the ready in case you need them. Keep them ready. I've okay. got some okay. True Blue here. <laughs> there you go. We're so we're, we're, we're prepared. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I want to mention real quick, the Bible Marathon is going to get started January 25th to the 29th. They do that every year at the Notre Dame Seminary. If you want to participate, go to nds.edu, nds.edu to either go and listen or to read. It is already five after the hour. We've got more coming your way on Wake Up. Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 1. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed, One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Thank you for the Chris Decker, 8 after the hour on a happy Friday morning. Going to be a beauty with us right now, Eric Miller, State Advocate of the Louisiana State Council with the Knights of Columbus, here to give us a monthly update. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, good morning. Happy New Year's and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. <clears throat> so tell us, what's uh, First Friday is always big for the Knights, right? It is. It's very it's very busy. We've got a very busy month, a very busy spring, um, and we're very excited for everything that the Knights of Columbus is going to be doing in the upcoming months. So we're so glad that you all had us on this First Friday. So we can get our word out to everyone. Yeah, so let's get it out. Well, first of all, you you guys are doing a great job with membership. It continues to grow. Uh, where do they go if they want to become a member of the Knights of Columbus? A lot of times we say the website for last. I want to kick it off with that. Oh, perfect. Yes, they can go to um, kfc.org slash join us or they can go to the Louisiana KC website, which is louisianakc.org, uh, and there's a, a button that says join us. You click it, uh, you answer a few questions, uh, and if you put in the code Blessed McGivney, um, your first year is free. So uh, we would encourage every male, Catholic male over the age of 18 to check us out and join the Knights of Columbus. Uh, we have a lot, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff, in, um, and a lot of things that benefit the the men and their families, yeah. um, particularly with the Catholic faith. Uh, and so, we would encourage you to 
to check it out. One of the key events that you guys participated in was the uh, Meals for Tornado Victims. I mean, that those tornadoes really tore up some towns in Louisiana just um, last month, and you guys were on hand to help out. We, we are Council 9623, um, Ascension of Our Lord out of Laplace, traveled to Killing. Kelowna, Louisiana, and cooked meals. Um, they had collected coats for our annual coat drive and brought uh, 52 coats for families in needs in the area. Um, and so we are very proud and appreciative of that council for going and cooking uh, for those for those folks that were uh, devastated by the tornadoes that went through the area. Yeah, and of course y'all y'all made a nice donation as well to the pro-life uh, woman's new life clinic. We did. Council um, one hundred eighty um, made donations to the women's new life clinic and also the women's health center and also the pregnancy problem center. Uh, they donated over a thousand dollars to each of those organizations uh, to help young mothers. Um, young girls who were pregnant with uh, with their needs uh, that they can receive from those three um, institutions. So yeah. That, that council did a wonderful job. Yeah, and Eric, you know, a lot of people see the activity and the action of the Knights, but that all has a foundation of spirituality, and a lot of people don't realize this, but you guys have conferences as well as retreats for your members. We we do. So we have our annual um, Knights of Columbus retreat for our Knights of Columbus members coming up this January in um, Shriver, uh, Louisiana. It's going to be at the Lumen Christie Retreat Center on January 20 and 22. Um, but we also are sponsoring the New Orleans Archdiocese Men's Conference on Saturday, March 4th. And so I know it's early. But we want to get the word out because um, everyone is invited to attend that, uh, every male for the men's conference. We're also doing a spiritual day of reflection in Lafayette on February 25th. Um, and all men are invited to attend that one, and that's on February 25th and the Lafayette Cathedral on St. John Street uh, in Lafayette. And uh, all of those events, they can go to louisianakc.org and get more information about those conferences. Uh, and we would encourage um, every man to, to try to attend one of them. Yeah, that spiritual day of reflection, you guys, uh, you've got your chaplain, Father Jamin David, who we all know and love, and also uh, Bishop of Lafayette, uh, Douglas Desitel. He's going to be a guest speaker uh, at, at the, uh, the day of reflection. We do. We have several speakers. We'll have Father Andrew Schumacher, Father Brian Harrington, um, Eric Thibodeau, uh, who's the Knights of Columbus Spiritual Advisor, and Damien O'Connor, who's the Supreme Knights of Columbus International Evangelist hmm. Chairman. Okay. We'll all be speaking at that conference. So we've got a good good lineup for the conference uh, there in Lafayette on February 25th. Awesome. You guys are kicking off the year. Great. Look, we've got just about 30 or 40 seconds left. Anything you want to add? Just want to remind all the Knights of Columbus uh, 
leaders of the councils that we've got are diets and meetings coming up in January. Go to the website, find out the date for the ones uh, in your area, and encourage the Grand Knights, Finance Secretaries, membership directors, and program directors to try to attend those. We oh. sure do appreciate y'all having us on this first Friday. Oh, of course. And, of course, give out that website one more time. You can go to louisianakc.org uh, and get to all the information that we've been talking about. All right. Sounds good. Eric Miller, thank you for being with us as always, and keep up the good work with the Knights of Columbus. Y'all have a blessed day. All right, babe. Thanks, Happy New Year to you. Thanks, Eric. Of course, one thing we didn't mention, their annual state cornhole tournament. Oh, I that's one of your favorites. They, they have a lot of sporting <laughs> events. Yeah. Guys my age can participate in. And that's going to be uh, Saturday, February 4th at St. Anne Parish uh, School in Metairie. So if uh, well got nothing to do a month from now, there you go. Participate in the state cornhole tournament. All right, guys, mm-hmm. don't go too far. It is 15 after the hour on a Friday morning on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 6th. Today we celebrate St. André Bisset. The early life of André Bisset hardly suggested he would do great things with his life. His body was frail and weak from the moment of his birth in 1845 in rural Quebec. His education was limited and unspectacular. His attempts to find a trade were unsuccessful. But God had great plans for him. He spent 70 years living a simple life of goodness and compassion as Brother Andre, a member of the Congregation of Holy Cross. Forty of those years were spent serving as doorkeeper at Notre Dame College in Montreal. His special love of and confidence in St. Joseph prompted Brother Andre to recommend devotion to the saint, particularly for the sick. Thousands began flocking to Brother Andre, who developed amazing healing powers of his own. In 1904, a small chapel was built to honor St. Joseph. Enlarged several times to accommodate the ever-growing crowds, St. Joseph's Oratory was finally completed in 1967 in the heart of Montreal. Each year, two million people visit there. When Andre Bessette died in 1937, an estimated one million people filed past his coffin. In 2010, Pope Benedict XVI canonized Brother Andre as the first male Canadian-born saint. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. We're live on our YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube.com and search Catholic Community Media. You can hit the subscribe button and hit that bell. So every time we go live, you will receive a notification or post a video. So you'll be up to date with all of our videos on YouTube. Chris McGregor joins us now. She wrote the forward to the book called Women Mystics, second edition. And today she joins us to give us a little bit more information. Um, And you know what, Chris? I'm actually not familiar with, uh, you know, mystics in general. I know of them. I know some saints were mystics. And I'm so glad to have you with us to give us a little bit more. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Gabby. It's a it's a real um, privilege to be with you and to be able to talk about this book. When we talk about mystics, I I know probably you like me long ago for me anyway 
uh, I always understood mystics to be somebody like the Padre Pio, right? Or Mm -hmm. we think of those that have extraordinary experiences that manifest themselves so that many see them. You know, when we talk about stigmatas or people that hear particular voices and are able to, or visions. So, yeah, that's the kind of mystics that we're used to, but... Uh, and there, there's a different type of uh, way that we can express mysticism or a mystic, because when we go back and we think about uh, the early church, for example, when they would uh, bring people into the church, they were brought into the mystery, mysterium, and that's a Greek term. And you know what we call that in Latin? It's sacramentum, mm-hmm. the sacrament. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. many, yeah. So for many of us, when we think about mystics, we may not realize that in a very real way that all of us who have been baptized, the fact that that Christ comes to dwell in us, transforms us, uh, nurtures us, so that's a very real type of mystic. That's quite interesting, you know, and, and Chris, you're diving into the meaning of the word. I've had um, non-Catholics and even Catholics alike ask me this question. I, I actually can't, wasn't, I didn't know how to answer it at the time, but what is the difference between a mystic and a fortune teller? Oh, well, that's someone who is kind of opening a door and, um, into an area that we're really not supposed to go into. I mean, the the scriptures Mm -hmm. are pretty clear that we're not called to uh, open the door to uh, the occult because you don't know what you're you're asking for. You know, there's the difference between the communications that God grants us through, say, a holy angel, right? And uh, Zachariah, the Blessed Virgin, has experienced that. Uh, Many saints have experienced that. It's not something that they went out looking for. But then there are those who will open a door, and you may have encounters with what it is an unholy angel, because we do believe in those too, because our Lord instructed us that, you know, there's the good angels and the bad angels. There's also um, areas that we're just not supposed to dabble in, trying to know what the future is. It's our wants instead of receiving what God may be wanting to give to us. You know, a good example Most is the definitely. Blessed Virgin. Do whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you wish, and to use me, and I give myself freely. It's not a demanding, I need to know, I want. Do you see the differences? Mm-hmm. Most definitely, and thank Does you so much for, for touching on that, Chris. Yes, and thank you so much for touching on that as well. But I want to also dive into the book because St. Teresa of Avila was one of the most prominent uh, uh, mystics, Therese of Lisieux, and Elizabeth of the Trinity. I'm not familiar with her. Um, we, Of course, we heard of Edith Stein. Can you tell us a little bit about what made these women so unique uh, to stand out and have the title as uh, a mystic? Well, you know, the first time that I ever heard St. Therese referred to as a mystic was by, uh, I called him a saint already, but Pope Benedict Mm -hmm. XVI. You know, he referred to her as a mystic, and it's that that living, uh, that interior life. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, who was canonized in 2000. 17, uh, she just recently was one of those Carmelites who lived at about the same time as uh, just, she died just a few years after Therese. And she was, uh, and she's quoted in the catechism under our understanding of Trinity. And here's this little Carmelite who lives in Dijon, France, 
who uh, is able to express she in a series of reflections uh, of retreats that she will write in, in the uh, months just prior to her death. She's talking about remember who you are, remember Christian by virtue of your baptism. And she goes on to quote the scriptures over and over again that the Lord will say, remain in me. Do you not know that I am in you? You know, because our Lord says in, in John um, chapter 17 that, you know, that I may be with them, and the Father, you are with me, and I am in you, and that they know that I am, um, they are in me, but I am also in them. So when Jesus talks about that by virtue of our baptism, the divine life comes and lives in us. He's right there in the very mm-hmm. heart, and Teresa of Avila in her interior castles will go on to tell us about how, you know, by the seventh mansion, where does she meet the king in this interior castle? Right there in the center, right there inside of us. The Lord comes to dwell Mm. in us. You know, he's not out there. So a lot of these these women and men, quite frankly, John of the Cross, um, John Roosbrock, so many that are other mentioned in this book as well, they um, will tell you, they'll, they try to lead you into, he's there, right there. Take time and pray. And mm-hmm. he can transform your life. He can do things that are extraordinary. And one of the women that they talk about in this book is Teresa Benedict of the Cross, also known as Eva Stein. A lot of people wouldn't have thought of her as a mystic. But when you look at what she did in her life and how she expressed herself and even how she, she chose to go, uh, she could have left when the, the Nazis were coming to get her. Her provincial told her to go. The bishop told her to go to Brazil. But she, in a very incredible way through deep prayer, said, I need to stay. And, I, and it's like a super abundance, an extraordinary grace to say, I'm going to get on the train. And I'm going to go with these people, and she will enter holding children and going into those ovens. That that's the fruitfulness wow. of it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I appreciate you diving deeper into these specifics of these uh, saints as well. What can we learn about these women mystics, Chris? Well, the, what they're trying to do in that feminine genius that uh, was so articulated beautifully by Pope John Paul II, and uh, again, through a series of audiences, Pope Benedict XVI, God rest his soul, um, would talk about how theology can receive a special commu- uh, contribution from women because they can talk about God and the mysteries of faith using their particular intelligence and sensitivities. They're able to describe things in a way. And it's almost as though theology, as as Pope Benedict would say, and I'm paraphrasing him, but it's almost lacking if we don't allow that complementarity of what female, how they're able to describe things, experience things. Um, It's really, uh, if we don't allow that to be a part of the conversation, then we become dry like wood. It, it doesn't have the, the type of complementarity that could really help uh, draw people into that loving relationship with, with Christ. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Well, you wrote the foreword to the book Women Mystics, second edition. Uh, what inspired you to be a part of something like this? Well, I happen to be in Rome at a, a 
and visiting with a dear friend who run a, a formation house that was established actually by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And oh. when uh, I happened to see this book that was originally written in the 1990s by Father, the late Father Boyer, um, I was just so struck by the connections, like with a, a person named Hadwick, who I had never heard of before. And just his insights, and I had talked with Father Fezio at, at Ignatius Press, and he said, what we really need to do is bring this out again to help people understand it. So that's essentially what happened. So um, and that's how I got involved with it, because we, we wanted to represent, especially in the light of the teachings of Benedict XVI, and uh, bring, the, bring these women and men forward. Most definitely. Chris McGregor wrote the foreword to the book Women Mystics, second edition. Where can we find out more or pick up our own copy? Well, of course, you can always go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press. But uh, anywhere online, you could go to uh, Amazon, uh, but also at, at any of the fine Catholic bookstores, I'm sure that's in your region. They, they um, I would hope and I'm, I'm kind of assured that they would have a copy or be able to get it for you. Thank you so much, Chris, for diving deeper into this topic, uh, maybe putting some misconceptions to rest. Uh, I appreciate you being with us today. Chris McGregor with Women Mystics Second Edition. Thank you so much for being with us and have a great weekend. Thank you, Gabby. You too. All right. Okay, so when we come back from the break, Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, is going to be talking about king cake on King's Day, which means we are getting into carnival season, you guys, mm -hmm. which means Lent's around the corner. I say that because if you have an event happening in your church parish, whether it's Knights of Columbus Fish Fry or any kind of Lenten mission, you can send it to us for free at our website at ccmedia.live. Go to events and news and submit your event. We'll post it on our website calendar for free. We'll even talk about it on our website. That's free publicity for you and your parish, for your community, for your school. We love talking about them and it just helps everyone to know where they can pick up their uh, plate of fish and beans and everything that is just so delicious on those Fridays during Lent. So stay with us. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. Good morning. It's 35 minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Thanks for tuning in. Today is First Friday. That means we are praying the rosary right after the show. So if you're in the Baton Rouge area and you want to stop by 11924 Sunray Avenue in Baton Rouge, we would love for you to pray with us. We'll do that a couple of minutes after the show ends. We are joined this morning. Finally, it seems like it's been forever. Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, joins us on uh, today to talk about King's Day. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. How y'all doing? Wonderful. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. That's right. Yes. And just in time, right? Just in time to <laughs> crash right into your New Year's resolutions. That's right. It's time for king cake, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I saw this little meme that said... Um, you know, everywhere else in the country or the world, there people are setting their resolutions and, and cutting back on what they're eating. But in Louisiana, we're <laughs> planning for king cake. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, and it varies from you know year to year. It, it's a seasonal mm, thing, and that's so you don't right. know. I mean, well, I mean, I guess you can always know about pulling the calendar out, right? But that's some of right. us, like myself, are 
uh, don't always do that. But you know, the season, the, the length of the seasons change. Yes. You know, yes. so this year I think it's a little shorter. Yeah, it is. It's early too. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, so today, are you? Uh, do you have your dough rising? Are you making a king mm-hmm. cake today? Uh, Annabelle was in the kitchen making a king cake last night. I think nice. I went to bed at ten, and and she was maybe. Uh, it was still in the rising process, so she okay. was up late last night. Okay. King cake. Well, before we dive into king cake, Jeff, let's talk about the Catholic roots of Mardi Gras. Sure. You just jump on in. You got in. a question, or you want me just to no, jump you, on in? No, you just jump on in. You tell us about <laughs> well, it. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's really funny because it's, um, I mean, it's easy for us, I think, today to talk about some of the uh, symbolism, right, mm-hmm. Catholic symbolism of king cake. But, you know, this stuff, it's not like they just had a, a meeting. A committee got together and had a meeting. They decided they were going to do this, right? It was right. It, It's that cultural appropriation thing. It's, it's the enculturation. It's things happen, and then somehow the, the church sort of absorbs these things mm-hmm. and makes them better or holy, right? Yes. And that was, I think, the thing with, with king cake. You know, they there are other kinds of king cakes, and there are other kinds of uh, celebrations around king cakes, like in other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got uh, uh, in France in particular. But here in, in, our, uh, in our state, in our area, I think it was around 1870, somewhere around there, where they were reporting the first king cakes. And, and the way it, as I understand it, the way it started was it had to do with these uh, uh, balls, right, the the, the the big dances yes. and trying to choose like a court mm-hmm. and the way they did it, they made this big cake and it was a circular cake and they had little trinkets. They weren't baby Jesus's. They were just little trinkets, different, different shapes. And they were, they were uh, attached to like a little, a little pull, a little satin ribbon, mm-hmm. uh, ribbon that you could pull. And that was how they decided who was going to be on the court okay. right, for yes. the, for the, for the balls. And um, and then that that very simple process, which is kind of fun, it's a big mm-hmm. cake, it's something new and different. Eventually, is what evolved into what we have today, right? Okay. And we have the symbolism. As Catholics, we understand that, right? The round cake yes. um, is kind of like a crown, but it's also, I guess, in a way, it kind of symbolizes too for us just that the the roundness of it, the eternity of it, right? Kind mm-hmm. of a glimpse into there's something more. Yes. We have the, the plastic baby Jesus, mm-hmm. which obviously symbolizes Jesus. Right. And on King's Day, so it's the epiphany, the, the three kings come into, they're searching for the baby Jesus, they find the baby Jesus, and we can incorporate that into our our own celebration today. And the colors of uh, uh, purple, green, and gold you know, it's like, why mm-hmm. are those colors? Do y'all, do y'all remember? Yeah, I think so. Purple justice? Correct. Green faith? And green is faith. faith. That's right. And I can't and think gold of what gold is. is. I can't think of it. Power. Power. Uh, take it okay. to the bank. And gold there you power. go. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, these are things, it wasn't, again, when this thing first started, it wasn't necessarily the church that, that started that, right? Right. It was, it was the people, but it, it was... At the time, too, you're talking about um, a time when, when people were not as affluent as today. Okay. And so they used to have uh, almost kind of a, a, a mock celebrations where the people who were the, on the, the low end of the totem pole got to pretend for a day mm-hmm. that they were royalty. And so these were virtues, 
that they thought were important. Okay. And so you had the, the, the purple and the green and the gold. And again, this is something that over time just became appropriated okay. into our celebration today. Okay. You know, I, I learned on CatholicFoodie.com uh, the meaning of the word carnival. I can honestly tell you I have lived here all my many years, and I did not ever realize the meaning of the word carnival. That's right. It's from the, the Latin. It's uh, from carne vale, mm-hmm. which in essence means goodbye meat. Never knew right, that. Saying goodbye to meat. And way knew. back when, you know, uh, when they didn't have refrigeration, mm-hmm. like we have today, electricity and all of that, uh, it was harder to, um, to, to keep meat that way. And so you wouldn't be coming into a season like Lent where you're saying goodbye to meat, right? You had this carnival season that leads up where you have to eat all the meat because you wouldn't be able to store it during Lent. Okay. And during Lent, they didn't just mm-hmm. not eat meat on Fridays. They just didn't eat meat. Okay. Historically, okay. right? And so you, um, you, you were kind of saying goodbye to that. Okay. It's interesting because the Eastern Catholics and the Orthodox today still have, they retain some of that because they have, if you've heard of uh, Cheese Fair, and I can't remember the day of the week it is, it's like they have Cheese Fair something and then they have Meat Fair and, and it's, just, it's essentially the same thing, but it's a shortened time period. It's about a week long where they eat because the Orthodox and Eastern Catholics wouldn't eat uh, dairy either. And so they get rid of all the dairy within a certain time period. See, and then the same that. thing for the meat. They get rid okay. of the meat in a certain time period. Uh, so okay. it's kind of very, very different for us today because of the we have electricity, we have refrigeration, we have so many things that people in the past didn't have. Right, right. Wow, that's interesting. Well, so let's dive into the king cake. So we know we can... Uh, of course, go to the Heavenly Donut here in Baton Rouge. We can go to uh, so many different uh, uh, bakeries and pick up. Even the grocery stores have uh, king cakes that you can pick up. But let's talk about uh, the pros and cons of making your own or ordering a king cake. Oh, well, I mean, I think there's so many pros. I mean, first of all, get in the kitchen, you know, get in the kitchen with your family. If yes. you, you know, you do it together. We did it, you know, with the kids for so many years. Now the kids are getting bigger, except for Zelly, right? She's still yes. young. But yes. uh, so there's something about that that you just can't get that by getting a cake at the store. Mm-hmm. It's not. It is a time-consuming process. It takes time because you have you're dealing with dough, you're dealing with something that has to rise. There's no fast track on that. You gotta. It takes time. You gotta be patient. Yes. Um, but there's something too, especially if you have kids. It's like they're eating the fruit of their labor. You know, they're, they help us make this thing, and it's like there's something special about that. So that's yeah, something to consider too. Yeah. Um, but I love it because you can make it the way you like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're in control of the ingredients. I don't like any desserts that are like overly sweet. Like right. it's, it's almost like an yeah. attack on your senses, right? Yes. Um, I like to be able to control that so I can make it as sweet as I want to make it. Yes. Um, I know that there's no artificial stuff going in it, you know, so it's a healthier maybe mm-hmm. uh, cake. Yeah. And, um, and it's just something really good about about doing that right enjoying the fruits of your 
of your labor. That's right. That's right. I do enjoy making it. And you're right. If you need a king cake in a pinch, you certainly can go pick up so many yummy ones in our area. Um, but there is a recipe and we're running out of time, Jeff, but you have a wonderful king cake recipe that's a brioche. So it has eggs and butter uh, and some yeast in it. And it is a delicious one that you've adapted from an Emerald Lagasse recipe. So give us your website so folks can go and look at that recipe. It is catholicfoodie.com, and uh, it's a big one, too, so invite all your friends and family. That's right. It's delicious. You, know, you can feed the neighborhood with that kid. That's right. <laughs> Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Happy King's Day to you. And to you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, stick around. Mark Brumley, president of Ignatius Press, will join us to talk about Pope Benedict XVI. It's 15 minutes before the hour on Wake Up. It's 12 before the top of the hour. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Wake Up. With us now is Mark Brumley, president of Ignatius Press, the primary English language publisher of the works of the late Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. And he's here to talk about the life of the late Pope, which we've been seeing a lot on the tube as well as the radio. Uh, but we're going to get maybe a, a different perspective today on, on Pope Benedict. Good morning, Mark. Well, good morning to you. So, what what is your big takeaway from Pope Benedict? You you've had to delve into a lot of his works, do translations uh, of his works in his writings. Um, what you what the man was amazing. I I mean, mm, yes. I, there's no way I'd be surprised if he isn't going to be a doctor mm. of the church one day. But but let's let's talk about you know him just passing away, and uh, maybe your big takeaway from from Pope Benedict. Well, uh, as we were saying the other day at uh, Ignatius Press at the office, there's never been a time before uh, when anybody in the room has been alive that Pope uh, Benedict has not been alive, you know, that Joseph Ratzinger has not hmm. been alive. Wow. And, yeah. and uh, that, because he was 95 years old, you know, mm. when he passed away. But the point of that is that there are people, of course, we've come to know him at different points. You know, Father Fessy, who is the founder of Ignatius Press, knew him many, many years ago, came to know him many, many years ago when he studied under him in Germany. Um, and I came to know him, you know, as a writer, uh, after that, uh, God has people in the world. You and, you and I are among those people he has in the world. Uh, and he has purposes for each and every one of us. And, and Joseph Ratzinger, God had a purpose for him, even when, uh, none of the rest of us knew who he was, you know, at that point. And I think that yes, when you ask the question, uh, what's his significance and so on, in one sense, his significance is that is is like the significance of, of all of us. God has a purpose for us, and that purpose unfolds through our choices and by His providence. And so um, that was the case with Joseph Ratzinger. What's his significance? Well, he he is will I believe eventually be uh, a, a doctor of the church, uh, but more to it, you know, whether he's officially declared a saint or anything like that. He was a man who loved God uh, from the very core of his being 
and was an example to others uh, how to love God. I agree with you. He was an amazing, amazing uh, theologian, an intellect. Uh, he yet he was full of kindness and love. He was stern at times. Um, just he and humble. I I mean to to have the mind power that he had, yes, yes. and he was humble. That says a lot. Very humble. Yeah, very humble. Um, he was someone who. Uh, by disposition, did not really seek power in the church. I mean, he he wanted to just be a teacher and a scholar uh, and a priest who, who could you know, love God and foster the worship of God in other people. That's what he, what, he, what he wanted to do. But because of his great abilities, you know, he was called upon by church leaders to uh, help uh, in leadership. He was a theological expert at the Second Vatican Council, uh, and then uh, eventually, uh, some years later, he was called upon to become a bishop in the Church. Didn't really want to do that, but he, he answered the call. <laughs> and then John Paul II asked him to come to Rome to work in the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and, as the prefect. And he didn't want to do that either, but he did it. <laughs> and he kept trying to uh, retire from that position. You know, I asked John Paul at the end of each of his five-year terms, hey, can I just go back to Germany and do my thing? And, and John Paul, too, said, no, uh, we need you here. We really yeah. need you here. So he was obedient. He was humble. He didn't want to be Pope, you know. <laughs> but uh, God called him to do that. And uh, that's what he did. Mark, did he look back after his eight years as pope and one of the first to resign in centuries as a pope, still you know living, most die in that position. But the uh, did he look back and reflect and say, you know what, it wasn't half bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, from people that uh, who knew him and and interviews and things of that sort, you know. It's clear that he thought he did God's will, both in accepting the office of the papacy and then when he decided to retire. Uh, he, this was not a decision that he made lightly. It wasn't just that he was tired of the job or something of that sort. He really uh, felt that it was, it was his responsibility to set aside the office, renounce the office, if he got to a position where he physically or mentally or some combination of the two uh, was incapable of fulfilling the responsibilities of the office. Mm -hmm. He said that very early on when he was, when he was interviewed, he was asked not specifically about himself, but more generally, can a Pope, can a Pope resign? He mm -hmm. said not only can, but he must do so when he feels that he is incapable of carrying out the ministry, because really it's a ministry of service to the church. It's not about power. Right. Uh, it's yeah. not as if he were trying to cling to power no matter what. It, mm -hmm. it, and that's a, a a call that each and every uh, pope has to make for himself. So. Yeah, and he was eighty-five when he did it, so mm -hmm. he knew his time was limited uh, as far as all his faculties and everything. So get out while the getting is good. And uh, right. you know the what what spiritual work of his stands out the most? I know there are many, but for, for from your perspective, um, 
I very much benefit from reading his book, Spirit of the Liturgy. Okay. Uh, it's a book that he wrote on the nature of, of worship, Catholic worship, and uh, it really um, has helped me as I've, over the years, thought about uh, what I do when I go to Mass and why I do it. Uh, so that's a, that's a book uh, I highly recommend. But I think for people that want to just sort of get to know him, uh, a book he, he did with a fellow named Peter Savold, who is his biographer, called God in the World. It's an interview book, and it just basically goes through, talks about what does it mean to believe, what does it mean, hmm. takes about faith, hope, and charity, theological virtues, and then the big topics, you know, who is God, who is Jesus, what's the nature of the Church, and it's very conversational. So yeah, you don't have to have you know a great theological vocabulary <laughs> to get into that. Sounds like something God we might introduce with our CIA program. Right, in a right. Way, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, Mark, I'm sorry we are out of time, but thank you so much for sharing. You know, one little tidbit I, I found out. He was only five foot seven. I thought he was a much larger oh, person. I thought so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a short little guy like me. Yeah, he thought of himself as the little pope. You know? uh, there you go. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. All right. I'm the little so poppy. Funny. Okay. There you go. Mark Brumley, thank you so much. President of Ignatius Press, thanks for sharing your insights on uh, Pope Benedict XVI. And may he rest in peace. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. you. Have a happy new year. All right. That's so interesting. I had no idea. I thought he was a tall man, too. And I think of Pope Francis as being a. More yeah, your you stature. See him in pictures. Yes. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, images are deceiving. That's, sometimes I guess. So. Until you see him in person. Yeah. Well, he was a big guy. He was a big Spiritually. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and inflame my heart with the joy of the gospel. May I find joy in seeking to please you just as you found joy in seeking to please your Father. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Alan Midley-Orado joins us. Patricia Davis, Superintendent of Catholic Schools in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, will give us an update. And Dr. T. Allen from Fran U in Baton Rouge will also update us and tell us what they're doing for the new spring semester. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. God bless. Wake up is a production of Catholic Community Media.